Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a tidbit about the word myriad and a meaty middle about run-on sentences. I like myriad 10,000 Maniacs songs. These are days, candy everybody wants, few and far between, and probably more that I can't think of right now. But should I really use myriad to describe just a few songs like this? First, the reason I'm telling you about my love for 10,000 Maniacs is that the word myriad is derived from the Greek word for 10,000. Second, the word has long since come to have a meaning beyond just specifically 10,000. Today, it means a whole bunch, an uncountable multitude, or something within an innumerable variety. So it's hard to argue that myriad is a good way to describe three or four songs. Various, a few, or many would probably be better choices. Another hot debate is whether it's correct to say Disneyland has myriad delights or Disneyland has a myriad of delights. You commonly hear a myriad of and just as commonly hear people railing that it should be simply myriad because the word is an adjective and essentially equivalent to a number. The argument goes like this. You wouldn't say, there are a 10,000 of delights, so you shouldn't say, there are a myriad of delights. Believe it or not, most language experts say that either way is fine. Myriad was actually used as a noun in English long before it was used as an adjective. And Merriam-Webster says the criticism the word gets as a noun is, quote, recent. Further, Gardner's modern English usage says a myriad of is fine, even though it's less efficient than myriad. After all, language is about more than efficiency. Today, myriad is used as both a noun and an adjective, which means it can be used with an A before it as a noun, a myriad, just as you would say a mouse, or without an A before it as an adjective, myriad delights just as you would say, delicious treats. Nevertheless, if you choose to say or write a myriad of, I have to warn you that you'll encounter occasional but vehement resistance. And in fact, the AP style book says not to use it. So if you're following AP style, it doesn't matter what Merriam-Webster or Garner says is fine. Also, as a noun, myriad even has a plural, myriads which I confess grates a bit on my ears, but Merriam-Webster says it's completely acceptable. A Google Ngram search shows that myriads used to be more common than it is today, and looking through old sources, the phrase myriads and myriads often pops up to mean an awful lot of something. Further, depending on the translation, some Bibles include variations on that phrase— for example, in the verse Daniel 7.10, the King James Bible writes about 10,000 times 10,000 standing before him. But other translations describe it as a myriad of myriads, 10,000 of myriads, and myriads upon myriads. John Milton also used the plural myriads in Paradise Lost. The passage is a little difficult, so I'll put it on the website for people who want to read it, but I won't include it here. And it also appears at least twice in the editor's preface of The Prose Works of John Milton, written by James Augustus St. John in 1889. Here's one example. 
I have not yet learned to think so meanly of my countrymen as not to believe that this island contains many myriads to whom truth, both in politics and religion, is precious as life itself. So, with examples from the Bible and Milton, we can safely say that the people who use myriads are no slouches. Still, although the Associated Press doesn't comment on myriads, I suspect they wouldn't like it. So, what should you do? If you want to be absolutely safe and never be criticized, avoid myriads and the phrase a myriad of. But note that respectable people have been saying myriads and a myriad of for many years. Maybe we could even say myriad years. Whatever you do, don't criticize other people for using them, unless maybe you're an Associated Press editor enforcing your style. Next, we turn to run-on sentences. I bet a lot of you think that run-on sentences are just really long sentences that go on and on like the Energizer Bunny. But actually, run-on sentences are sentences that lack punctuation. They can be long, but they can also be short. Here's an example of a short run-on sentence. I am a woman. I am a truck driver. I was in a writing group a few years ago with an interesting woman who was writing a book about her experience as a female truck driver. The reason I am a woman, I am a truck driver is a run-on sentence is that it's written without any internal punctuation. I've fused together two complete sentences, which is why run-on sentences are also called fused sentences. There are a bunch of ways to fix run-on sentences. The toolbox is filled with the same basic fixes you can use to repair comma splices, periods, semicolons, and commas with coordinating conjunctions. How you fix the sentence depends on how the different parts are related to each other and what tone and rhythm you want. For example, if you want to completely separate the two fused sentences, then you'd use a period. I am a woman, period. I am a truck driver. If you want to keep more of a connection between the two thoughts, you could use a semicolon and write, I am a woman, semicolon, I am a truck driver. If you want to make more of a commentary on the connection between the two sentences, then you could use a coordinating conjunction with a comma. For example, you could write, I am a woman, comma, and I am a truck driver, which gives a slightly different feeling compared to, I am a woman, comma, yet I am a truck driver, or I am a woman, comma, but I am a truck driver. If you wanted to get fancy, you could even use a conjunctive adverb with a semicolon and a comma. I am a woman, semicolon, nevertheless, comma, I am a truck driver. There are even more ways to fix run-on sentences, depending on the relationship between the different clauses. It wouldn't work for the sentence we've been using so far, but if the first clause introduces the second clause, you could use a colon to connect them. My main point is that you have to use something to connect two clauses that could be a complete sentence on their own. You can't just fuse them together. If you do, that's an error called a run-on sentence. Sometimes people ask me how they can choose the best way to structure their sentences when there are so many different ways to connect independent clauses. In most cases, there's no right answer to that question. You have to determine what kind of tone you want to set. For example, to me, I am a woman, period, I am a truck driver, has a hard and strong tone, whereas I am a woman, semicolon, nevertheless, comma, I'm a truck driver, 
has more of a conversational or confessional tone. In the first case, where I used the periods, I expect to hear a tale of conflict. In the second case, where I used a conjunctive adverb, I expect to just hear an interesting story. But the differences can obviously be subtle and subjective. When you're writing, it's important not to overthink your sentence structure. If you make sure your sentences are grammatically correct and write what you mean to say, there's a good chance you'll automatically pick the right structure for your needs, especially if you're a native English speaker. If you get too hung up on whether to use a semicolon or a conjunction, it can inhibit your creativity. At least it can for me. Save those decisions for the editing. Also, most people end up having a personal writing style that favors certain solutions over others for no apparent reason. I bet you can read email messages from your friends and tell who wrote most of them, no matter what the topic is, because you'll recognize your friends' writing styles. It can be a fun exercise to try to write in a style that's completely different from how you'd normally write. Just make sure you don't fuse independent clauses together and make run-on sentences. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Did you know I've written seven books? Yep, and you can find them all by searching your favorite online bookstore for Grammar Girl Fogarty. You don't even need to figure out how to spell my first name. If you've made a New Year's resolution to become a better writer, these books are for you. Finally, here's a shout out to Swims Like a Fish. Thank you for the nice review on Apple Podcasts. You also asked about bold-faced lie versus bare-faced lie, and I covered that about six months ago in episode 619. The short answer is that bold-faced lie is usually considered an error, but you can find much more about it on my website at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>